Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 271, covering Day of Honor and Nemesis. Hi, friends. How are you? Hey, everyone. You, you, you can't answer that. It's a one-way thing. I mean, if you want to write to us and tell us how you are, that'd be fine. Dear sarcastic, or excuse me, sarcastic. No, God, the guys. Right. Dear podcast, <laughs> I am fine. Yes, so, I'm going to assume you're fine. Assuming you you didn't watch uh, Nemesis, Nemesis, the episode that we're covering here. You know, I never would have thought that. Uh, I would have thought that I'd already seen the worst thing Star Trek could do called Nemesis. But here we are. But here we are again. Do, would you agree that this is worse than uh, than the movie Nemesis? I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, at least that had, like, Picard and Data in it. Uh-huh. This was almost all Chakotay, but I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in the second half of the show. Yes. Ugh. Ugh. First one I liked, actually. Oh, yeah, no, Day of Honor was quite good. Which actually marked, uh, I think, four in a row that I liked. Mm-hmm. Because I liked uh, Scorpion Part 1, and I liked Scorpion Part 2, and I liked uh, the one that came after that, and yep. I liked this one. So, yeah, that's four. Yeah. But we'll get to the turd and the punch bowl that ruined that in a minute. Uh, I don't know that Voyager was ever a punch bowl. It's like a turd in a bowl of pee. Well. <laughs> you're, you're acting like it ruined something great. It ruined just, uh, it ruined four good episodes. Yeah, we had a, we had a nice little run. On that, this show, four in a row is like um, uh, unprecedented. Yeah, no, that four episodes in a row is the punch bowl. Uh, okay. Nemesis is the turd. But remember the rest of season three. Mm-hmm. Well, look, that punch bowl is floating in an ocean of piss, but... Uh, okay, that that's... Yeah, there we go. But first, let's talk about... This may have gotten away from us a bit. Uh, it's, it, the, the, the important thing is bathroom humor. Mm-hmm. Always funny. Let's talk now about Day of Honor, won't we? The titular Day of Honor is upon us, and wouldn't you know it? It involves Klingons. Who saw that coming? Oh, you did? Uh, okay, how about this then, smart guy? It's actually a tie-in with the expanded universe novels of the same name. Bet you didn't know that, uh, assuming you don't remember it from 1998 and you haven't looked at the Memory Alpha entry for this episode, which is how I know it. The day in question is very much on Bellana's mind, as she has a self-described bad day. And since this is Voyager, that bad day includes two familiar things and an alien one, like she woke up with a hole in her pajamas, and then Neelix used all the hot water for the entire ship, and then she stepped in a pile of Andorian space poo or something. (laughs) So she's really not sure if she wants to go through with observing the proud tradition of her people, which includes killing a Targ, eating a Targ, telling a Targ your innermost thoughts, drinking a Targ, breaking a Targ open like a pinata to find a bunch of tinier Targs inside it, teaching a Targ how to pass its driving test, and then fucking a Targ. It's very Targ-heavy holiday. <laughs> then, Balana, to remind you of my original point, doesn't really feel like doing any of that. Uh, meanwhile, a race of aliens who won Voyager's weekly coin toss for will we actually give a fuck about how the aliens look this week, show up and lay some serious guilt on the crew. They hold up little cardboard signs that say, Planet assimilated by Borg, God bless, any amount helps. Kate tries her best not to make eye contact, but ends up promising them whatever change she has in the pockets that don't even exist on her uniform when the aliens start freaking the fuck out because that giant redwood of a woman aboard Voyager is part of that very same race that destroyed their world, and why would you just chop off her arms and make her part of your crew? What is wrong with you? 
So they storm off in a huff, which seems fairly inconsequential now, but this is Star Trek, so if somebody coughs once, you know they have a terminal illness, and if they walk away mad in Act 3, you know they'll be back in Act 5 to do something about it. Meanwhile, the aforementioned giant redwood of a woman is trying to assist Alana in making the warp engines faster, but things go wrong, and they end up having to eject the warp core. Pretty sure that a starship needs one of those to function, Kate sends Bell and Tom, why not, to go salvage the thing. But while they're doing that, the homeless aliens from Mom Guilt 12 swoop in and snatch it from under their noses. Also, they blow up the shuttle. Fortunately, Tom and Bell beam to safety in time. Well, relative safety. They're in spacesuits, light years away from the only friendly ship. Also, one of them is Tom Paris. Yeah, Bell, honey, you are having a bad day. Anyway, they end up moving their little game pieces ahead one square in the predictable TV relationship board game. Then Voyager agrees to give a couple of 20s to the nuisance aliens, gets their warp core back, and rescues Tom and Bell. And in the real and the real day of honor miracle isn't even Targ related. It's the fact that I still kind of buy this relationship and I don't completely hate it. I'm so sick of these day of honor specials, you know? Like Oh god. Every just... goddamn TV show has to do their their annual day of honor special. I mean, really, the worst of it was the Star Wars Day of Honor special. That was not a great. Uh, that was not a great two hours of my life. No, no. <laughs> Jefferson Starship showing up to sing about honor, yeah, and using every piece of the targ. <laughs> really, I'm just gonna roll into my bad thing because I already kind of hit hit on that. Whoever came up with the Klingon Day of Honor, which apparently was uh, like I think Michael Jan Friedman or one of the main guys writing a lot of Trek novels at this point. Mm really did the least amount of research possible. It's like they looked up Klingon in the official Star Trek encyclopedia and wrote down the first three things. Like, Belana goes onto the holodeck and talks to this Klingon dude, and he's like, uh, Batleths, Targs, Kaelas, done. Good well, enough. Also, uh, that Klingon is, that, that Klingon is exactly what would happen if Klingons had game show hosts. Yeah. I really got that vibe. Ah, Milana Taurus, you're up next on Day of Honor. <laughs> yeah, probably. Let's see it if just... you can eat the targ bones. But there was absolutely not a single thing that, like, added. Like, we talked about back in a couple of good Tuvok episodes mm -hmm. uh, where they added stuff to what we already knew about the Vulcans, and we really liked that. Yep. Here, there is not, like, everything we know about Klingons, exactly the same, only now they have a day that includes some of the things we already know. I picture uh, the guy that wrote it trying to get a hold of Ron Moore so that someone else can make up Klingon shit for him, and Ron yeah. Moore's just not home. <laughs> He's busy working on DS9 at this point. Uh, He's like, I, uh, these novels don't count. How about I write the show that counts? Mm. How about that? Oh, jeez, Ron wasn't picking up the phone. I guess I'll just, uh, uh, honor Targ, honor Targ. Well, it's, it's very reflective of the novels, and the problem that you and I and many other people have with the novels is that they're never allowed to do anything. Yeah. They have to run in place. They have to only use established stuff and always return things to the status quo, mm -hmm. and so they want to feel like they're adding something to the Star Trek tapestry, but they're really not, mm -hmm. because nothing they do can ever matter. Unless they, know? except for maybe uh, referencing tapestry. Uh, maybe, if that. Mm-hmm. But it's probably got a target in it somewhere. Ugh. It just it was it was so lazy and that's it could have right. been an That's right, Jean-Luc. You're dead, and I'm a targ. <laughs> no wait, he's Feklar. <laughs> he can that be a deep things. cut. The 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 Klingon uh, Satan, Feklar. Oh yeah, Feklar, the Pooh God. Yeah. Who uh, remember we had Nate on for that episode and Nate was very disappointed. Feklar. In, in Feklar. <laughs> No, I just, like, it felt like a good opportunity to flesh out. Like, the whole point of having different races that we recognize is mm -hmm. to kind of, every time we go into their culture a little bit, maybe add a little something to the to the picture. Yeah. You and know. they've done that with Tuvok. They 
did not do that with Bolana this no, time. No, it's just, it's like, you know, I'm feeling really bad that Dave Honors here. It's gotten so commercial. I don't know if I'm mm. going to celebrate this year. The, I'm just going to eat is, this sweet potato pie pie. Ugh. So, like, uh, Neelix makes her a blood pie. That was one of the, that was the first lazy thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they got blood wine. Uh, they also have blood pie. Yeah. Really? Blood pie? And that might be a thing from before, I don't remember. But it does. it's still just, like, ugh. I think about can't. it, blood pie might be a real thing. It could be. Like, you know, I don't know. like I, how blood sausage is a thing? That's true. So it's just it's just British. Yeah, it's British blood. You know how the British love to eat blood? You know how yeah, England well, is a nation of vampires? <laughs> I do now. That makes so much sense. Right? And it's just a lot of questions I've had about English people I've met. And and why it's usually overcast there. Like, all the vampires moved someplace where the sun doesn't shine very Yeah, much. exactly. That that makes total sense. You know, the place where the sea is the most depressing place you can go to. I was about to say, though, that it's surrounded by running water, so that's probably not good. Well, I mean, that's less of a problem now that, you know, airplanes exist. I guess that's true. I mean, even boats exist. Fucking Dracula traveled around in a boat. He loved it. I That is a fair point. I love traveling in a boat, he would often be here to say. <laughs> from, inside, from inside of his coffin. <laughs> He's singing that song. <laughs> it's hilarious. Also, I like Austin Powers. <laughs> Um, but I, like I say, I feel like the Day of Honor thing, like the the core idea is actually pretty good. It's a Klingon, like they based it on uh, one of the Jewish high holidays, which is the the idea is you're supposed to reflect on have you been a good Jew this year? Yes. Like have you have you upheld the tenets of our relation relationship religion? <laughs> like I, are you doing all the stuff that the Bible, the Old Testament, the Torah says you're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And like the Klingons are supposed to do the same thing. Have I? done honorable stuff have i won great battles like in theory that's a good idea mm. i just it wasn't presented very well i thought yeah but i i do like i do like balana like being conflicted because she's kind of not into this stuff but she kind of feels like she should be she's got like that like cat almost like that catholic guilt thing you see where, it like, with she... catholics you see it with jewish people yeah. you see it with a lot of people who were raised in the old like really hardcore faiths yeah. who feel like they're supposed to do stuff but they they don't they don't know if they're really into it but they feel like they have to be yeah it's like that i'm a lapsed klingon almost yeah i, li- I like that about her mm-hmm. i've always liked that about her and it's not it's not new here no like this has come up before and i like that there's some klingon tradition that there's no other klingons on the ship so she's it yeah She's like, well, I guess, I guess if I'm gonna do this, I gotta go to the holiday. I gotta, I don't know, man. And it's actually, I, I, I talked about this with with her and um, Tom. Like, I still don't hate their relationship. No. And one of the things he does that's kind of cool is like, oh, you want to do a day of honor thing? Yeah, I'll, I'll do some reading and I'll make you a little holodeck program. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a little cheesy and it's probably not very well researched. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why it's so. Actually, flimsy. that makes a lot of sense now that you mention it. Because Tom doesn't know anything about Klingons. Like, uh, and, Targs, and, and he definitely did the cursory. Like, yeah. he definitely flipped to that pit to the Klingon page of the Star Trek Encyclopedia. Oh, you know that's how he coasted through the Academy. Uh huh. Oh yeah, I got this. I I know everything about Klingons. I read that page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it. Well, I, what's that, a test on Vulcans? Oh yeah, I know tons about Vulcans. Logic. Yeah. Uh, logic. Green, green blood. Uh, I know that. Pointy ears. Got it. Right, got it. Taste it. Yeah. Three things. Ah, shit. I accidentally wrote about Romulans. God damn it. <laughs> this is why I'm going to jail. Is that why you went to jail? That's why you went to jail. Oh. Starfleet, wow. uh, Starfleet uh, does not Academy. like cheaters. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Academy, that's actually your bad thing. Oh, yeah. Fucking. Okay. So they're floating around in deep space, right? And 
Balana mentions that like the being in deep space is different than any of the simulations at the academy. Why exactly are they simulating that? You've got easy access to space. It's right there. You can go into it any time. Go get some real experience. I, well, like even if you're doing simulations to start off, the, these people need to go on real spacewalks. They are going to be working in space. Yeah, but Tom said like year one or year two, they do simulations. By year three or year four, they're actually going to space. Like they're probably trying to weed out all the Balanas who are going to quit before they bother going to space. Oh, jeez, this simulation of space is not that great. Go into space. I mean, I'm I'm with you. But I just if it's a four year program, you don't have to jump into space on day one. You know? I feel like, like you can though. You can, but that I mean, doesn't mean you will. Just I mean, so much space, and it's so easy to get to. Yeah, but you could say the same about if you join the Naval Academy, you don't go out on a ship immediately. The ocean's right there. No, but like for them, it's it would be expensive to like send out like a training ship. Like, no, it's not just that you don't you don't need to yet. You know, I don't know. It's just like those guys. Like they they get transporter credits so they can go home and eat, but otherwise they stay at the academy. Like as far as we know, right? Yeah. Like, gotta stay on San Francisco because that's it. That's all there is. I don't know. I just feel like if you're gonna be doing it working in space, you should have a lot of space experience. Get out there. I, go I check agree. out what the go check out space. Maybe it's just like a an earned thing. Like maybe no, you're you're your first year. You're not taking it this seriously yet. By by year three, like okay, we know you're serious. Then you get the reward. Of that floating actually, around aimlessly. That actually makes sense. Like, oh, you you came to Starfleet to go to space? Guess what? You're not going to space for two years. Yeah. You're just going to have to sit in the classroom for a while. You I gotta, mean, honestly, space is scary and, and you know, like, you want to make sure they know the basics before you send them out there. The space basics. I mean, And really, that's kind of my good thing is the space, like, being scary. Like, mm-hmm. Tom and Bolana beaming out of a damaged shuttle into empty space is exactly the sort of thing I want to see more of in Trek. Mm-hmm. It's not like... Like, I've had a really hard time, like, uh, quantifying what bugs me so much about this. Every week, there's some new alien with a technology we've never seen before. There's some new, like, effectively magic thing, some particle, some whatever. Like, I'm not saying never do stories like that. The original series did some good ones. Next Gen did some good ones. Even DS9 did some good ones. Like, Absolutely. you can do that. But when that becomes your danger every week is some weird thing that we've never heard of before. Like, it gets old. And, like, this is a, an omnipresent, like, from from the cage on, we've been in space, mm-hmm. and space is not habitable by humans, and it's scary, and you need protection, and if you're stuck out there, you're going to die. And, mm-hmm. like, Star Trek hasn't done a lot with that. It no. was cool to see a very basic, like, sci-fi, like, I mean, this is the only layer of fiction I need. I don't need an extra magic alien on top of this. Like, mm-hmm. just the fact that they're stuck in space is scary enough, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. more of this, more... Like, I want to say it's more believable. It's still, like, we still can't go this far into space yet, so it's still fiction. But it's believable in the trappings of the show. They didn't have to invent a new thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I don't know if they've ever done this in Star Trek before. It was great. It was yeah. it was scary. It was legitimately scary. They were stuck, and they, like, Voyager didn't have its warp engines, and they might have died. I mean, we knew they weren't going to die, but I was scared for them. Mm-hmm. And I liked it. I, I like stuff like that. It's like, that's why I liked Battlestar Galactica so much, because they didn't keep inventing new weird shit. It was all the same shit every week. Yeah. And they just told good stories with it for a while. No, I uh, if there's one thing Star Trek has done since the very first episode, it's made space, you know, standard. Like, we're yeah. out there every day, so it's not that, like, we don't have, we don't think about it that much, you know? It's not that big a deal. 
and I kind of think it works better that way. Mm-hmm. Like this, this works better that way because we've got that whole history of oh, we got this covered. Yeah. So like, having well, two people like marooned out in the middle of space and suddenly it's just like oh shit, we do this every day and it's actually it's actually very terrifying. Yeah, it would be again to to bring back sort of a naval like uh, metaphor. Like if you did a story set on a battleship and the, the man overboard. Mm-hmm. It's scary on the ocean if you're not on a boat. Hey, yeah, guess what? The ocean is terrifying. Yeah. And if you if you don't if you're not on this safe comfort of a of a boat, you, you might be fucked. Mm-hmm. And space is even worse. Yeah. Cuz you need a suit. Like you can float in the ocean, but in space if you don't have a protective layer, you're done. You're and fucking, I, I, yeah. I I really liked it. On the plus side, there's, it, you're much less likely to be eaten by sharks in space. Ah, uh, this is Voyager. There's definitely space sharks somewhere. Oh, man. Space sharks are worse than street sharks. Uh, street sharks are pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. Or a uh, giant walking shark man from, from Green Lantern. That giant shot walking shark man was from The Flash. I saw him in Green Lantern comic. Oh. I, I I will definitely like. I defer to your superior knowledge. If he's if he's a, typically a Flash guy, that's fine. But that's where I saw. I him legit don't remember. <laughs> Fair enough. I just saw him more recently on the Flash. Oh, he, right, he was on the show. Yes, that's cool. Now I saw him in a comic, and it was like we were meant to take it kind of seriously. And like, if you're gonna play this up as camp, that's fine. But if I'm meant to take a giant walking shark man seriously, this is stupid. No, he uh, he showed up in Secret Six, and uh, Gail Simone wrote him way better. He just kept talking about how he was a shark. Yeah, see, that's funny. You got to make him funny. Don't make him <laughs> scary. Anyway, no, I just, I liked... You're listening to were... Shark Talk with Alan Matt. <laughs> well, we did once replace the number two with shark for some reason. <laughs> yeah. It was a while back. I don't understand why we did a lot of things back in the day, but uh, that's I'm fine. okay with it. I stand by all those things. Yep. Um... No, I just, I really liked that situation. And I liked the situation of, uh, oh, right, we have a Borg. People in this area of space, well, I mean, everywhere, Mm -hmm. but especially this area of space, probably aren't going to like that. Give me that Borg. Yeah. And these guys were kind of annoying, and I think they were meant to be. Mm -hmm. But, like, I I just like, wait, you have have a what? And, And you... You're you're fine with that? My uh my only problem with that is that the guy identifies her as a Borg right away and like let's be honest, aside from the eyepiece, she does not look like a Borg at all anymore. He doesn't actually. He says what what is she? What race is she? Like there's a whole scene where no, he No, he's already freaking out like when he's saying it. Like I th- I thought he had already figured out that he, that she was I a think, Borg. I think I think that was based on her mannerisms. Mm. Because she was so cold. Because she was so well, we we will just have no regard for your feelings then and there's there's been so far some good her trying to adjust stuff yeah and i at one point she offers to sacrifice herself to save the ship because it's basically give her up or we'll kill you yeah that was pretty cool that was a nice and seven it, moment but it also wasn't noble it was logical at yeah. this point she's not she doesn't like she's not attached to these people she's just like well it would be stupid for you to die because of me and i don't really care about living anyway mm. so why don't i just surrender Still good so, though. No, it was. I just, but it wasn't like noble. It wasn't like she learned how to be human already. No, although Kate like, definitely t- tra- treated it that way. Ah, she's was, becoming more human every day. No, I'm not. And that's a that's a Star Trek mainstay. That's more the, human every day. She's she's basically doing what Kirk did to Spock all the time. Like, no, I'm really not. Captain sent uh, a bottle of wine, a bouquet of flowers, and a card up to my up to my quarters that just says "more human every day" on it. <laughs> it's starting to get kind of upsetting. I, I like what they're doing with her so far, though. I yeah. like that 
nobody likes her and she's lonely in her little cube, mm-hmm. but like, what's she going to do? Nobody likes her. Yeah. And I feel like if they develop this well, which I don't know, the character development on the show hasn't been bad, so maybe they'll do it well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's going to tr- have to learn how to not be harsh and terrible all the time or else she's just going to be lonely all the time. I mean, I assume that's what most of the show is going to be about. I'm fine with that. When it turns into, you know, the Seven and the Doctor show. I, I'm okay Which, after watching Nemesis, I can't wait to happen. Oh, God. Yeah. But we're still talking about the good one. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, That's the thing. This was a Tom and Bellana episode. Mostly there was some good seven stuff, but it was primarily about them. Yeah. And really more about Bellana than anybody. Mm-hmm. That was a good Bellana episode. And we had some good her interacting with seven where she's like, why is a Borg on my ship? Mm-hmm. Like and Chuck telling her, like, you you will you will work with her. Like, I don't want I don't, to. Yeah. And I, I can't hold that against Chuck because, you know, it came from the captain. Yeah. That wasn't him being terrible. That's just like Kate wanting her to fit in. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I liked it. Be, I like, be nice to the new kid. I like Bolana's like, I, I, you know, conflict. Mom, I don't want to. She's a nerd. I don't want to play with her. Ah. And it's, I like like, that it's like when Bart had to, had to play with Ralph all day. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um. But, and and so the uh, the uh, cop skeleton key of of Seven's story is the fact that she knows how to make uh, crazy transwarp conduits, which is cool. Yep. And that's what they're they're testing, and uh, doesn't work. But I just, I like I like that they're like, oh, you're a Borg. Okay, good. Let's exploit you. You got to give give us some Borg shit to work with. All right. You guys have all this crazy technology. Let's uh, let let's have some of it. <laughs> yes, have some. You wanna. <laughs> You want to be one of our, you want to be our friend? Best way to be our friend is to buy our friendship. Works every time. Very well. But I also like there's a really good moment between her and Kate where it's like uh the thing fucked up and we had to eject the core which is a very expensive effect so uh you got something to answer for. Said, hey, I didn't do it. Didn't you? And there's just a nice little like she's trying to suss out if she can trust her or not yeah. and I I liked it. And I like uh Seven's like response to that. It's like we don't we're bored. We don't lie. Yeah, look, I I I do want to destroy you, but I would tell you I'm going to destroy you. Yeah, like listen, you know you'll know. Yeah. If I betray you, I'm going to make a big deal of it. Like we, we you can't trust us, but not because we lie. Mm-hmm. It's cuz you can't trust us. Yeah. There's a difference. Trust me. If, if I ever turn against you, I will be as I am contacting the Borg, I will be loudly proclaiming how I am contacting the Borg for the glory of the Borg. Yeah. I mean, our our whole thing is reinforcing how superior we are. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tell you while I'm doing it, so you know. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, how would you know? Anyway, if you'll excuse me, I have to go back to my thing now. <laughs> For unrelated reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was it was a good like I really liked the scene, and it, and it mirrored previous scenes of Kate early on trying to get to know like uh, the Maquis guys and Neelix and Kess better. Yep. Like it wasn't the same. But it was her approach was the same, and the character was different, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Which stuff. is which is basically come up to my up to my uh, office for coffee. I, yeah, but she's like poking at her. Like, mm-hmm. well, is are are you are you lying? No. Oh, hmm. Are you sure you're not lying? Yes, I'm sure. Okay. All right. All right. Those were my two questions. Uh, yeah. Do you want to have a seat? I'm afraid I can't sit in this uniform, Captain. Yeah. There is that. Uh, we also I said we were going to breathe in this uniform. We said we were going to try and get that out of our systems last week, so I'm I'm going to try not to like focus on that stuff. 
No, I, I, I can't promise, but I'm going to try. <laughs> look, I look. I'm not focusing on the attractiveness of the woman. I'm focusing on the uniform, not the working. practicality of her outfit. That's fair. <laughs> the ridiculousness of the outfit. Yeah, I mean, look. <laughs> like I know that she gets like more, um, more Kessie, more uh, uh, Troy uniforms as the series goes on. This, yeah. the silver thing, is ridiculous. There's actually a listener uh, wrote in, um, well, not wrote in, uh, tweeted at me. There's a uh, uh, that uh, book, the Star Trek costumes book. Mm-hmm. It's like a coffee table book with all the various costumes. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Shows over the years. Uh, there's a thing. There's an entry. I'm looking at it right now. I just happen to have my Twitter feed up now. And it says, um, uh, talking about Kess, uh, her wardrobe was the type of fashion that would appeal to many young girls. The producers had to realize they were losing male audience members because they couldn't get the thing between Kess and Neelix to work. What they needed was somebody who was a boots-to-ground sex goddess, and they got her in Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine. Wow. Like, this this is an entry on Kess, and it says she wasn't sexy enough. <laughs> yeah. Also, once again, Seven of Nine pushing uh, Kess out of the way. Yeah. Hey, my article, an article about Kess. Well, Seven of Nine was a very important character. Uh, he was much more reason. popular than Kess. And, uh, yeah. But there was some good stuff with her. Also mm-hmm. good to see uh, Vorik, the uh, uh, Vulcan engineer. Oh, yeah, that was cool. I was pleased to see him back. I did not. If you don't remember, he's the guy. He, he showed up in a couple of episodes as uh, Vulcan with crush on Balana, who eventually gives her Ponfar fever. Um, right. Uh, and after that episode where his whole arc was done, we figured we'd never see him again. Yeah, they were setting him up so that he didn't seem like he was from out of nowhere, but once they were done, it felt like they were done. Mm-hmm. But no, he's but, back again being all like, I work in engineering. I have an old like. prospector voice, apparently. Concern it! Concern it, Belana. These warp engines aren't working no more. Dude. We ain't never gonna find that Cardassian gold. <laughs> Don't know what happened there, but uh, yeah, I just brought him with it. Just why not? not no, I, I, uh, I, it was good to see him. And honestly, it seems better for the show mm-hmm. to not have to hire a different like extra or bit character every week. Mm-hmm. No, here when you just, like Balana turns to an engineering assistant and says, "This, mm-hmm. oh well, why don't we use the guy we already got?" Yeah, no, it's nice. It's nice to have that like you know, to keep seeing those crew members, you know, yeah. like it shows how small the ship actually is. Like there's only a hundred yeah. some odd people on there. Yeah. I think we're down to like in the, the like 150 range, like yeah, in the no. mid hundreds at this we're point. We're not talking like, it's not like a big ass ship, like, uh, like, uh, the D- the enterprise D or, or, you know, deep space Wait. nine, which always had tons of people coming in and out. Like even, even Kirk's enterprise had like, somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 people. Yeah. Like the ship is way smaller. Mm hmm. And I like that. And plus, they people keep dying, and they can't replace them. Yeah. How big in scale this Voyager? Do you know? Like that, I do not. If know. you compared I, it to like the Enterprises, I'm going to look that up after we finish here. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of I don't know if any of them are canon, but there's a couple of good charts of like various sci-fi ships compared to each. Because I know, like in my head, all the ships are like the same size, but they're really not. No, they're definitely not. No, I mean the you know you know that um that uh, the Defiant is tiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's that DS9 episode where a Voyager class ship shows up. Remember they went to Romulus or something in it? Oh yeah yeah yeah. And I think if we see it next to the station in that episode, you get a good idea compared to the other like Federation ships. Mm. That's the only time I can because I mean obviously the nature of this show is that you're not going to see it next to a lot of Federation ships. No. But I but there's a there's a situation where this class of ship might have been next to other ones for scale. Yeah. 
So, anyway, but no, it was, it's it was good to see Vorik again. He didn't do much, but that's fine. Yeah, I you know you don't need to just be able to be like, oh, it's that guy. Yeah, and he was in charge of uh, engineering when Bellana was off on her mission, which was cool. Because mm-hmm. he should be. He's number two, maybe. I, don't I know. think whatever. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Fine. It. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> good. But good. I'm glad we got that settled. Good work. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think we managed to suss that one out mm-hmm. with our giant Star Trek fan brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, what all right. Else? High fives all around. Oh, you still haven't done your uh, good thing. Oh, haven't I? Oh, right. The Moocher aliens. Uh, annoying. Good design, though. Uh, you I... mentioned in your uh, in your summary how this is one of the weeks where uh, Voyager gives a shit about what their aliens look like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, and I think I've read this, that there are like two uh, uh, alien designers. And it seems like one of them is just terrible and one of them's good. And, like, we, it's luck of the draw. Some yeah. weeks we get this and next week we get, like, like the next episode is literally they're just humans. They're not even, there's no attempt to make them look anything but human. No, we'll get to that in a minute. No, I, yeah. I like these guys. They got weird face, like, they've got weird shaped heads and, like, really well, elongated the thing. They look, necks. They look cool on the view screen, but then when you see one in person, it's like, oh, he's got a weird fucking back of the head, too. Yeah, yeah, he's got, like, a whole deal going on. Like it was, it was cool seeing him from the front, but it was way cooler when you can see him turn his head, and you're like, "Oh, they really put some work into that." And he's got like little scoop uh, suction cup fingers, which is, which I think is cool. Yeah, uh, he's no, the- also he also looks like he's wearing an old suit. Well, you know, I mean, if you're gonna make them like they're they're clearly going for like a if not full on homeless, at least a refugee thing. Yeah, and so it makes sense. Like the whole point is like they're. Their civilization was wiped out by the Borg. There's nothing left. And, you know, so it's I mean, it's a it's a cheap visual trick, but it works mm. to dress them in rags. Yep. And I, you you immediately get the point looking at him like, oh, these guys are on hard times. OK, I get it. I also um, when they're attacking Voyager, there's a good shot where like their little ships are just circling it like uh, like shark circling a, uh, you know, street shark. Back to sharks again. I know. Which I, thought was heavy really, which I thought was really cool. Like, we very rarely get yeah, to see ships move in 3D. Well, we and we don't usually see more than one or two, maybe three at the most ships. Mm-hmm. And and they said there were, like, 50, and we really only saw, like, five. But they implied that there were more, and mm-hmm. they did a good job of, like... Well, they're just off screen. Yeah, which, which is fine. I know they can't afford that many. But, like, it, it, it was cool. I got the sense that there was this whole... Like, they're small, but there's a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And Voyager could overpower one or two, but not all of them. Well, especially not with, like, all their shit busted. Yeah, I mean, they had <laughs> to their, the core. And their warp core stolen. Yeah. I like that. And I like, like you said, they're annoying. They're meant to be annoying. Oh, yeah. They want help. And I liked, at the beginning, they were kind of, like, apologetic about asking for help. Like, look, we, we just want whatever you can spare. We understand if you can't spare a lot. And we're sorry to ask. We're very proud people. But look, it's, it, like, the Borg took everything. Mm-hmm. Like, and then... That was a good bait and switch for later on when they're suddenly a threat. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, these these poor sad sacks, they're not going to be any, hey, any um, trouble. Hey, that's our warp core you got there. We saw it first. Oh, is it? Is this yours? I don't well, see your, maybe I, you give us that Borg and we'll talk. I don't see your name on it. It says right there on the side, Voyager. Oh, is your name Voyager? I thought your name was Paris. I haven't told you my name. <laughs> Shh, I gotta go. <laughs> Smoke bomb. So long, so long, suckers. Oh, the Borg took our smoke bombs, too. Very slowly getting away with our warp core. (laughs) Shake harder, boy. (laughs) No, it was... Like, I liked them. Yeah. Like, they were different than what we'd seen before. Unlike, like, Davidians or whatever, I don't care to see them again. Like... No. I would not want... I do not want any more, uh, uh, 
interesting, interested looks into the lives of the Moocher race of aliens. But, no, I uh, think we've done everything we can with them, which yeah. means they'll probably show up for, like, they'll be the next Kazon. Yep. They'll be around for, like, another 50 years. Awesome. Yeah. Remember the Kazon? Uh, I try not to. I mean, but but my point is, like, we've been struggling through some Voyager of late, but you gotta at least, like, celebrate the minor victory that the Kazon aren't around. Oh, anymore. no, I'll take the Borg over the Kazon any day. Yeah. You know? If nothing else, there's Species that. Plus, we haven't eight, gotten a bad, five, like, we... Seven, eight, yeah. they're great, too, you know? We, we've been talking about how they're gonna ruin the Borg, but they haven't yet. No. And so far, like, it's great, because we have that same... Voyager's got this, like reputation in the Delta Quadrant and this is continuing that because mm-hmm. these guys are like wait you're helping a Borg why would you that, do that everyone everyone hates them like we all disagree with each other on different stuff but we're all on the same page with the Borg except you yep what the fuck man <laughs> I like that it's good stuff yeah um what else what anything else got? what's else let's see uh, Neelix being Neelix. Mm-hmm. Trying uh, not to talk about that unless there's something new to talk about, and there's not. He's still just being Neelix. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's all I got. Yep, they lost another shuttle, so. Yeah, nobody's counting those mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> oh, when they're demanding, uh, when they're demanding, uh, that the that Voyager send over the Borg. Uh, mm-hmm. Mal piped up with just uh, just dress Neelix in some tinfoil and send him. I over. actually, like, I, my thought was, what they want food? Why don't you send them your chef? <laughs> That's great. Like that was their first thing. Is like we don't have food, we don't have anything. Like, well, uh, why don't we just send you this guy? He knows all about food. He's hey. our food expert. Go on, go over there and be a diplomat. Yep. But uh, Mal's plan's also good. It still gets still gets rid of Neelix. Yeah, whatever gets him off the ship. Yeah, look, I'm 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 entertaining. We're just spitballing here. There are no wrong answers for getting rid of Neelix. No, uh, if we could get him off the ship and uh, you know also put him somewhere where he'll be killed, that would be great. But I'll just oh, take yeah. him off the ship. Like, look, I don't care what ha- as long as we never need to see or hear from him again. Like, yeah. I don't care what happens. If he lives a happy life, that's fine. I don't need to see him. I don't want to hear about it though. No, oh god, no. Hey, did you know Neelix is like having a really good time? He like got married and he has a kid now. And he's yeah, they really do like a, a letter from Neelix episode. I'd probably want to skip that one. I mean, yep. We can't skip any, but you know what I mean. No. All right. Anything else? No, I think that's it. Okay. Uh, my quote. I actually like. I really like this episode, but I didn't find it particularly quotable. No. So I just went with a standard like you know how we go with a, do- a funny doctor line when we can't find good stuff. I just went with a standard like uh, seven being kind of a cold bitch to to Blana quote which is this yeah when you hear about people like the katati do you have any feelings of remorse no that's it just no what further answer do you require oh maybe some kind of acknowledgement of the billions of lives you helped destroy a justification for what you did maybe a little sense of guilt guilt is irrelevant Heartwarming. No, I actually really I mean, like that line. Yeah, me too. No, and there's a lot of good like, like uh, she's she's doing that that early data or like that Spock thing, or is like everyone finds her a little off putting because she doesn't have human emotions kind of mm-hmm. thing, which I like. All right, we've put it off long enough. Uh, gotta gotta do it. Uh, gotta do it. This is the mission. Gotta talk about every every episode of Star Trek, including uh, the for every. Uh, 
for every day of honor, we have to talk about a nemesis. Uh-huh. I swear to God, I was this close to doing a uh, Adventures of uh, Barclay and O'Brien just to... That's the thing is we're not even halfway through yet. I know. Like, we can't, we, like... We each have a couple of sort of funny cop-out things that we could do, but I don't want to do it more than once a series, and mm. I, I we're not even halfway yet, so I don't want to waste the opportunity. I'm, I might need my bucket more in season five or something, you know? Uh, yeah. All right. All uh, right. Take us away. <clears throat> All right. So for what must be the 8,000th time, uh, Chuck crashes a shuttlecraft on some shitbag jungle planet where he's taken in by a team of military assholes. What don't talk so good? Uh, they conscript him into their war with the Nemesis, a word which appears in this episode exactly 3,736 times. And also a horrible bad guy who rapes, murders, and flips their enemies' bodies upside down. They are played by the Nausicans in an effort to save money. Chuck leans hard into the whole military lifestyle and really bonds with his new friends, who are all massacred. And then he visits a village that gets captured and murdered. And then the whole thing turns out to be like a weird propaganda thing that was just get to get him to join their army or something. I don't know, this episode is like the TV equivalent of breaking your toe on the foot of your bed at 3.30 in the morning. This did... Okay. We, we tweeted at each other about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. This one made me angry in a way that I have not been angry in a long time. It's just... It just... This episode just wears on you, you know? We talk about episodes that drag and, like, you know, the whole... Oh, my God, how am I only 22 minutes into this fucking thing? This thing yeah. is... This thing the, fir- the first time I wanted to check the runtime was seriously still in the teaser, and I knew... I knew the credits hadn't even come out yet, but I already wanted to know how much time was left. Mm-hmm. This, this episode feels like watching three hours of, like, C-SPAN or something. You know, just nothing happens. because no, C-SPAN might actually talk about a law that's relevant to you in some way. Oh. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not saying C-SPAN's interesting. I'm saying there's a, there's a chance it could be. I, the, the vibe there's no I, chance this is interesting. The vibe I get off of this show is, like, when I used to watch my parents watch TV when I was, like, a little kid... And mm-hmm. would think to myself, how can anyone watch this TV show and enjoy it? This is the most boring adult crap I've ever seen. Yep. I just, that's the vibe I got off, off of this episode. It's just an unending, like, super stuck up its own ass, like, just long talk about how, did you know War is Bad? Well, the thing is, we've done War is Bad episodes. We've done them in every series, and some of them have been really good. Some of them have been excellent. Like there's uh there's that the one that I'm thinking of is um uh the O'Brien's former commander one in in Next Gen. Yeah, no, that's a great one. And actually, I would say the Doomsday Machine kind of uh, falls into that because that guy had gone through some shit and he was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of DS Nine basically breaks down to war is uh, bad. The, la- the latter half of DS Nine certainly. Mm-hmm. Like there's it's not that this there's not meat left on that bone, but you gotta really, you gotta bring something new, and they did not. But this thing is just pathetic. It's the story of, like, a bunch of, like, 20-somethings with rifles out. It, 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 it feels like somebody on the staff watched Platoon and got really excited. Yeah, they were clearly going for a Vietnam vibe, because it's all young guys who are already way j- more jaded than they should be at their age fighting in the jungle. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, your standard Vietnam movie. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, like, ugh, everything about it is so boring and i should not be this bored watching fucking people fight monsters well, you know i mean okay let's let's really get into it though once again we're on a planet we've never seen before we'll never see again and don't really care about the two factions that are fighting nope we got the these these bland and and really the actors 
were just terrible. Oh, they got the worst fucking actors to play these guys. Like, just, we've been just talking awful. lately. We, it, we've talked for a while, but in particular lately, because the show's been focusing a lot on Chakotay, just how not like charismatic Robert Beltran is. Mm-hmm. He was the most charismatic of these guys. No, these, these guys are like the actor equivalent of getting your hair cut at a barber college. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's probably an actor, uh, an actual actor metaphor for that, like uh, like dinner theater or something. Yeah. No, I stand by mine. <laughs> I like that. It, and they're all like, like every one of them. It's not just like they cast one bad guy. It's like a whole platoon full of young guys that are all. Well, just, they're all, and they're all super interchangeable too. Like, yeah. Like you're, there's never a guy, there's never like a guy that's like, oh, that's Tuvok's friend that he bonded with. They're supposed to be, but it's like 15 white, like identical white dudes, you know? Yeah. No, again, they were going for like a, a Vietnam vibe. They're all young, you know, fresh faced mm-hmm. kids, but it just, ugh. but really like I, I wanted to talk about all the other stuff before we get to the, the real. Oh yeah. Like, no like, big problem ep- that we both had with it. This episode is bad enough. Uh, well, I, is there any other thing before we get to that one big thing? Well, the, the, oh, the twist. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, it, I didn't mention this. It turns out that like, uh, uh, the, the, the Nausicaan aliens, the monster aliens, aren't actually the bad guys. They're the good guys, uh, or at least the nice guys, who have been in a war with these fucking Vietnam kids. And they do this weird thing where they capture you and then hypnotize you so that you, you'll hate the monster aliens and fight in their war. Yeah, everything Chuck's been going through is all, it was all a test. Because that's our favorite kind of episode. Oh yeah, those are the best. But it was, everything he saw was was just uh, uh, elaborate propaganda to like brainwash him into fighting for their cause. Yeah, really, really. I can totally see someone at someone at uh, in the writers' room going like, "This is a fantastic." Well, this will blow their minds. Yeah, probably. And he didn't write this one to be no, fair. But, but it, it just feels like it's like they'll never see this one coming. And no, he's right. We didn't see that one coming. We also no. didn't give a shit. Yeah. Like, it's like no. this big reveal. It's like, hey, they were the good guys all along. And I'm just sitting there like, so? I will say, like, I okay, I didn't like it. Let's be very clear. But I did like the way it was presented, which is uh, back on Voyager, which we don't go to for like four acts. We no. spend all this time with Chakotay before we finally go to the rest of the show. <laughs> and they're talking about, yeah, we're, we're negotiating. We're going to try and get him back, whatever. And for like a full act, you think, oh, well, they're obviously talking to the same guy Chakotay has been fighting with. And then the reveal at the end of the act is like, oh, wait, here's, it's the other side. Mm. And like, in theory, that could have been cool. It wasn't. No. But it could have been. And actually, my good thing, uh, like, let's be clear, I hated it and I thought the twist was terrible, but I do like that the non-human looking aliens actually ended up being the good guys. Yeah, that's a nice change. And not only that they were the non-human aliens, but they're fucking giant monster aliens. Yeah. Like I mean, the, Star Trek usually makes the human looking guys the good guys. Mm. And so in a, in a, in a subtle racism way, at least, it, at least they weren't doing that this time. Yeah. That, that's, that's the only good thing that I could find. Yeah. I don't even think you found that much, did you? I mean, even like, it, you know, like even with the bad guy or like the monster aliens being the good guys, you know, they're still basically just Nausicans. Like, yeah, they look they exactly human play Dom Jot. Yeah. That was the, that was the Nausicans. They just, they had the, they had the costumes lying around and they were like, well, we spent all that money on the Moocher aliens last week. We're certainly fucking not going to spend anything anything on alien makeup this week oh god no in fact we're not going to spend we're not going to spend so much or so little money on this episode that our way of identifying the aliens is take it away al oh yeah okay so 
I've never been a fan of fake sci-fi speak. You got you got the guys on Battlestar Galactica saying frack instead of fuck. And like that was cute for a little while, but it got real old real quick. Frack never uh, bothered me just because I got used to it super quick. I, I it did, but it just it I think what bothered me more is when nerds were saying it. Oh yeah, no, definitely that. Was you horrible. go to a con and they'd be like, "Oh, this is a long fracking line." I don't, don't dude. Shut the fuck you are up. not, you are not Admiral Adama. Stop it. But, yeah. uh, but, the, or back in uh, past tense, which we infamously love or uh, hated, and all of you love for some reason. Uh, all the talk of gimmies and ghosts, like uh, that—that's a thing that gets under my skin, and I think it, it bothers you as well. Like uh-huh. that was one of the reasons we really didn't like that episode. But this one brings it to a whole new level. They—they they mention uh, these guys are this many footfalls away, or someone tells them instead of like control your fear, says wrestle your trembles. Uh-huh. That's what he said. Wrestle your trembles. Wait, uh, the nemesis is the nemesis is over three hundred footfalls away. Tonight they come for our trunks and our and our and our plantlings. Yeah, it, you. I, I have to protect my. I have to protect my mother's father. It just and here's the quote from Memory Alpha. I will read this directly, just so you you can you can uh, hear what's going on here. Because the Vori language seems strange. Okay, first of all, that's wrong. Uh, but it merely substitutes various words with lesser known synonyms. What? E.g., glimpses instead of sees or eyes. Uh. uh Regarding the creation of this communication style, Ken Biller commented, I tried to create an interesting language for the aliens. Our aliens sound either too human or they sound kind of hokey, and it's tough to find a balance. I decided to try something that was more stylized, where the language itself became part of the indoctrination, so they spoke differently than our people do. And Chakotay began speaking with their language as he became more and more indoctrinated into this culture. Yeah, I, I picked that up, and I guess that's actually not bad that he started talking like them, but the way they talk... Just, I don't know, that it, just, it just seemed to me like that just means Chakotay is very susceptible to uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, well, okay, but I mean, that's supposed to be the point. Like, this peace-loving guy, who's mm-hmm. peace-loving this week, last week he wanted to blow up the, the uh, nuisance aliens. Yeah, he's only peaceful when uh, it suits the plot. Yeah, but ideally, like, when he's written correctly, he's supposed to be kind of a pacifist, and I, I actually like that, mm-hmm. but... Uh, the idea is that they actually won him over and he's starting to talk like them. But the way they talk is just like, oh, it's stop it. You, you look at our notes and it's just, it's a lot of capitals going, stop talking that way. Talk normal. Well, and, and your quote is a nice block of this stuff, right? Yeah, I believe I uh, identified it as a bunch of stupid bullshit. So here. We'll send them flying from this sphere and go back to our sisters and mothers. Take it. This isn't my war. I'm not planning to shoot anybody. If we greet the nemesis in the trunks, you'll fire like the rest. As long as you're with us, you do my tellings. Fathom? Fathom. Yeah, that's some bullshit. It's like, when the light comes, fathom the trunks. Ugh. Why don't you fathom the trunks? I'm going to be in the bar. Why don't you glimpse over there? Ugh. It just, what it sounded to me like, it sounded pretentious. It sounded like someone trying, like putting on a, putting on a a voice, putting on an air and not actually sounding different, but like pretending to. Yeah. Like when you meet people who want to sound British, but aren't actually British. Yeah. (laughs) It was like that. (laughs) Didn't you have someone who came into your old job, fake British kid? Oh yeah, fake British kid. I haven't thought about fake British kid in years. Yeah. I used to have, there was a kid who would come into my, uh, my store pretty regularly to buy comics. Uh-huh. Uh, who had a fake British, like he just ha- pretended to have a British accent. 
And I know for a fact that he wasn't British because after after like he would it would come and go. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes he would come in and. Oh, not you have a know British fake accent. British accents better than a lot of people, mm-hmm. like from experience. Uh huh. <laughs> Friend, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. My my British accent is real, sir. <laughs> my hair grows, sir. <laughs> no, it 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 felt very like something they knew better but were doing to be different and it's it's just such a weird stupid thing you just look at them doing it and just like what are you doing also if the actors had been better mm-hmm. maybe they could have sold this like we've seen some borderline dumb stuff before where they get a really good guest star and it's like okay that's actually pretty cool yeah. but because they were so bad it just sounded terrible uh-huh and that's that's what happened for the, me. The kid screaming about about her grand, I think it was her. Her father's father, her, her father's mother's father. father. It was really bad. Like just yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> my my, say my mother's like, father. He needs me to tend to him. But it's it it was always so indirect. Also, mm-hmm. it was like at one point someone said, "Well, that's uh, that place you're going is not very near. Mm-hmm. That's like way man- too many syllables to say far." Uh huh. That's why we have those words. Yeah. Like. <laughs> save some time. I glimpsed you chancing. It's like Just, a fucking planet of poets. Uh, planet have, of like high school poets. Yeah, yeah, right? that's what I'm saying. Planet of high school poets. Yeah. I have but, no time for your poem. <laughs> If you really want to ask Stacy to homecoming, just fucking ask her. You don't need to. No, you need to glimpse her trembles. Hmm. <laughs> And re- wrestle her trunks. Stop glimpsing her trunks, kid. You'll go blind. <laughs> I'm wrestling my trembles. I'll be right out. Oh, jeez. I'll, I'll be out in a couple of footfalls. Wait, what? I, all right. You've been in there since the new light comes. <laughs> also, they had, like, I've called this out a few times before, those 90s names. One of them was called Naaman. Mm-hmm. And I think, no, I don't, I don't remember the other ones, but Naaman. Naaman. Just, like. So much. Uh, one of my notes says Starfleet spends so much time trying to extricate their guys from bullshit planets with bullshit internal conflicts. Yep. Like how many episodes and all of the series, this isn't just Voyager. How many episodes are one guy is stuck on a planet full of dicks and we gotta spend all our resources getting him back? Yep. Just like and that was that's and it's Chuck. Yeah. We don't just wanna, leave we don't him want Chuck back. Look, two weeks ago, he said, let's pick a planet and li- and stay there. Mm-hmm. You know what? Problem solved. He yep. found a planet. He can stay there. You keep going. This hey, is what he wants. And hey, uh, why don't you take Neelix with you? You'll probably need a chef. <laughs> or dress him up as a Borg. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really apply here, but do it anyway. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> They'll kill him. Or dress him up as the nemesis. <laughs> Which, as you say, they say oh, 7,000 times. Yeah, my good thing in this episode is that they said that I started taking a drink every time they said the word nemesis, and I had a yeah. really good buzz on by the time this episode was over. And you were still angry at it, though. Oh, yeah. Like, I wasn't drinking, and I was angry. So, like, I'm the control group. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can say that heavy drinking doesn't make it any better. No, it certainly doesn't. We, we can prove that scientifically now. It's usually my way of escaping from Voyager, but this time it just enhanced it. Nope. Just, uh. like, And again, there's nothing new about characters. Mm-hmm. There's nothing new about the human condition. Like, there's nothing worth telling here. This is just, it's just, like, just spinning its wheels for 40 minutes, you know? Just gotta fill uh, up, gotta fill up some time. Yep. 
And again, Chicote. Mm-hmm. Like, I, why have we had so much Chicote the last like five or six weeks? I like. I feel like the 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 the, the showrunners think he's an interesting character or whatever, and I just don't understand why they think that. But putting like, aside our actual like subjective opinions of him, objectively, they haven't added anything to his character because it contradicts itself from week to week. Mm-hmm. Like I said, last episode he was all about let's kill these guys. Yeah. And this week he's the pacifist again. Mm-hmm. I don't some, like yeah. they, they don't understand the character and Robert Beltram has no interest in the character regardless of what they give him to do. Yeah. Like no matter what they're giving they give Chuck to do one week to another to to the next like Robert Beltram is just out to lunch on the whole thing. Well, I mean, but the, again, that's I'm trying to be as objective as I can. Like that's our opinion of his performance, but maybe I'm trying to think in terms of people who would actually like this character and I'm just not seeing anything of interest or value being added like there's nothing there. Yeah. It just uh nothing there. And uh but it was all it was all a test. Yep. Haven't like, seen that nearly enough. Yeah, I'm sick of that at everything always. Well, because it always just if it's just a test, it's always it's not a real episode. You know, nothing happens. Well, that's the yeah. Whenever you get to the everything you thought was real wasn't real. Uh, I don't even mind that if we know it and they don't. Mm-hmm. I'm just tired of it as a narrative device. Oh yeah. Like I'm tired of them thinking they tricked me. And again, they did trick me. I I will give them that. Mm-hmm. I just didn't care. I'm and I'm sick of it. Like I'm sick of like. It's okay to blow a character's mind, but don't try to blow my mind because I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it and seen it and seen it. I've been around. The, I've seen every episode of Trek up to this point. I can say that now proudly. But but, but. even even if you haven't, mm-hmm. you've probably seen enough of it to have seen this trick. Yep, especially considering how often they use it. Yeah, I just like so many. Ah, mm. that's honestly all I have. Unless you have more things, I really don't. It's just you know. I did not care for this episode. There's a reason my summary runs short this week, and it's because nothing fucking happens. It's just, it's just him dicking around in the woods. And we're worried. We're supposed to be worried that these guys we've never met before are dying. But who cares? And then it turns out they didn't anyway, because he was in a simulation. Yeah. Like, well, if you want me to, if you want me to to care about your race of of aliens, don't make them irritating. Well. I don't know. I, the The previous episode had irritating aliens, and I kind of liked them. Just, like, I didn't like them, but you know what I mean. I was going to try and defend this somehow, and I just can't. No. Those guys were better. These yeah. guys are awful. Yeah. I just... Uh. Yeah, you've all got the coward trembles. <laughs> oh, boy. Anything else? No. Okay. Well, running a little short this week. Uh, the email address, if you want to write to us, is postatomichorror at gmail. The website is postatomichorror.com. Love to uh, hear from you if you have things to say to us. If you like Chakotay, please write to us. I would like to hear explain a, a, yourself. Like, an honest, like, well-argued defense of the character. Like, yeah, please. Like Again, I'm trying to correct for the fact that we don't think, like, liking his acting or not liking his acting, like, is, a, is, is an opinion thing. I'm just, I'm trying as hard as I can to be objective and to look at what we know about him based on what we knew about him three seasons ago. And the answer is almost nothing. Mm-hmm. He's no different than he was at in the pilot. Like he's exactly like, there's no arc. Whereas like say Bellana, she's warming up to like, she's not getting angry at everybody all the Bellana time. Has it, come a long way from her first episode. Yeah. We saw her getting angry all the time. And now she's like, 
like telling Paris, look, I'm having a bad day. Just go away. You Whereas wanna... season one, Bellana would have screamed and thrown yeah. things at him. You want to talk about people who've come a long way. Fucking Paris is likable now. Yeah. Yeah. Like that dude is getting that. better all like that dude gets yeah. better every week. Yeah. And, and Janeway's clearly like reacting to the crew more as her family and has, mm-hmm. as the people that she's really that are under her care rather than just here's some guys I'm stuck with. Yep. Like there's been an arc for a lot of people. The doctor is becoming more human every day. Like huge arc, yeah, yeah. Even seven in her three episodes so far is incrementally moving along. You can see it. Mm -hmm. But Chakotay is exactly the same. Yeah. So yeah. All right, that's all for this time. Next week, uh, I don't. don't Two more episodes. Oh, uh, more Voyager. Next week, I believe we have. uh, Yes, we have noted seven of nine enthusiast Caitlin Purdy joining us. Oh, nice. Look forward to that. All right. All right. Uh, Say your thing. Oh, yeah. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. Mm -hmm.